welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. I was about ready to come up and um, I had this like moment of, oh man, I got the microphone in my hand. I have the opportunity. God, you trust me with this? <laughs> and it doesn't, it doesn't, like, I understand how big of a deal this is. I'm so thankful to carry this, to carry this role. I'm thankful for each of you. So I get to speak today, and it's going to be a great day. Um, I know we've been going through good ground, the message that got that Sean spoke last night was last week was awesome. And I'm going to start by reading a part of the scripture that has been our foundation for the message. And that is Mark 4:14. It starts in 14. It's a long one. So bear with me all today because you know I don't read out loud very well. And there's a lot of scripture. So here we go. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They're those who heard the word, who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and, pro and it proves unfaithful. Other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfaithful. Whoa. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. I'm going to pray real quick. Jesus, oh, Lord, we love you. We are here for you. We're here because we want to know you more. So, Father, be with us as we hear this message today. Be with me as I speak. Let no word that doesn't come from your heart come out of my mouth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, listen. So, I don't have any tattoos. <laughs> there it is. You don't have to clap. I love tattoos. I think they're really cool. And I always have, there's always like an interesting story when I ask somebody like, oh, what does that mean? What does that mean? Um, there's always really cool things that come out. And I always think like, I should get something like Jesus or I don't know. But there's, there's, you know, it could be considered like Jesus. And then that would be confusing to like an outsider who doesn't know me. Um, but I decided I didn't like, not that I wouldn't get, let's say, let's say this. I wouldn't get a tattoo now. And here's why. Because I cannot come up, could not come up with something that I am sure 100% that I would want on my body for the rest of my life. Now, that was not the case when I was in college. <laughs> and I was trying to get a tattoo. I really, really wanted a tattoo. 
<laughs> so I got my financial aid money, got deposited into my account, <laughs> and I took it to the tattoo shop. <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, well, I got to draw, draw something up, right? I'm not going to tell you what I was going to get because it's just too embarrassing to put on live stream. Um, <laughs> but the guy's like, okay, I got to work on this and get it ready. So I'm like, okay. So I got my nose pierced and I left. I went on my way. So by the time, and back then, guys, that was like, that was a big deal. That was, that was back when you weren't expressing yourself. You were just like a rebel. Like, I couldn't get a job after that. I ended up having to take it out because nobody would hire me. Can you imagine somebody not hiring you because you had a nose ring? Can you believe that? The nerve of all those people. I was just trying to express myself. Anyway, <laughs> a couple of weeks later, the guy calls me and he's like, okay, we're ready. I didn't have any more money. My financial aid money was gone, y'all. It was gone. I had nothing left. So I stand here today before you a spotless lamb. <laughs> because my intentions did not line up <laughs> with my income. I want to talk to you about your finances today. <laughs> Okay, we're going to get into it and it's going to be a great day. So listen, I want to tell you a little bit more about college. I had to work a lot in college. I was in college for seven years. I was not on a slow place. I, I got an undergrad and then a master's and I started a PhD program. But I had to work real hard to um, pay my bills. That money, that was gonna, part of it was going to go to my tattoo, right? I did not spend it on back then, well shoot, in Gainesville, my rent, I remember, was like $300 a month. 300, can you imagine that? <laughs> I could have paid my rent for four months with my student loan check. Four months, did I do that? Oh no, 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 no. I could have bought groceries. I could have put some of my money in savings for when my super unreliable car wouldn't start. Because literally, I had one of those cars. It sat in my parking lot for six months because I was so afraid to drive it because it just didn't want to start and it was unpredictable and random. So I left it in the parking lot for six months. Come to find out it was just oxidation on the battery and I just did not know. $40 fix. But you know what? $40 would have been hard for me because I was not good with my money. I did not do anything good with that money. Ask me what I did with that money. I have no, I, I got my nose pierced. <laughs> I got a hole to prove it. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. And that's not how we're supposed to be living today. But we, as human beings, we go through our lives not having any intention for our money, and then it slips away. We don't honor it. We don't treat it well. We don't plan with it. We don't prepare for it when it comes. And then what happens? We got empty pockets. I'm going to speak. 
I, I get to speak out of this, I speak out of this chapter a lot, and my husband's going to speak out of it <laughs> around the word of the Lord. I'm just saying, putting that out there, but there's so many things that you could take from this, but it's my favorite book of the Bible, Haggai chapter one. It's on the left side of your Bible. <laughs> I'm going to start in verse four. Is it time? Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. This is a reflection of people who don't have their priorities straight in their lives. This is what's happening. So just to give you a very brief overview, the Israelites have just come back to Jerusalem and they're trying to get settled and they had laid the foundation of the temple, right? Because that's the most important thing. People, the Israelites, are the children of God right? That's who Jesus is descended from. So they get back there, they lay the foundation, the walls are broken down, but they start to lose focus on what their purpose is. Coming home, serving the Lord, right? So they have gone off and they've started doing their own things. It says paneled houses. So they're focused on their own lives. Okay, so God is calling them out through the prophet saying, hey, listen, you guys, money's going into your hands, but it's going out and you're not getting any fruit from it. You know why? Because your life is out of order. Because your life is in disorder. In verse 7, thus says the Lord of hosts. That, okay, so side note. <laughs> the Lord of hosts. That is uh, the Lord of heaven's armies. That is a powerful God that we serve. Thus says the Lord of heaven's armies. He is riding on the clouds, protecting us, bringing things into fruition that we've prayed for. He is powerful. He is mighty. He is the Lord of heaven's armies, and he's calling us to order. He's calling us to bring our lives into order. Can I get an amen? Because that is good. Hey, verse 7. Thus says the Lord of heaven's armies, consider Twice. Twice he says that. Now, anytime you read a, the same phrase twice in the Bible, it's like, hey, hey, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Declares the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land, and the hills, on the grain, on the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, and on man and beast, and all their labor. 
What God is saying here is that the people were spinning their wheels. They were doing stuff, but they weren't getting anything done. And here's why. Because their priorities were out of whack. Now, they were not focused on rebuilding the house of God, which is the whole reason why they were supposed to come back to Jerusalem. That was the point, right? That's the point of why we live, isn't it? To serve the Lord and bring him glory. So that was not even on their radar. So they're sowing and they're doing all these things. They had no foundation. God was not first in their lives. And as a result, they were getting settled. They're trying to rebuild their lives, but they are not getting their needs met. They're working so hard. They're sweating. They're trying to, they're trying to sow, you know, plant gardens and fields and plow the ground and work with their livestock and it's not yielding anything even though it's supposed to. It's supposed to. But the thing that was getting in the way is that the people didn't have their lives in order. God was not first in their lives. So they were working hard but ain't nothing happening. Let me tell you, when you don't have God first in your life, that is what's going to happen to you. You're going to spin your wheels. You're going to work so hard and you're not going to see the fruit that you could. Can I, can I tell you from the bottom of my heart? You got to serve God. You got to make him first because he's got such great blessing for you. He wants to love your wants you to love your life and enjoy it. He wants you to have promotions at work. He wants you to have great relationships with your family and your friends. He wants you to have a, an abundant life. But if he's not first, then ain't nothing else going to be in order. So when I, when I, okay, so when I was in college, I'm from Indiana originally, I lived in Orlando for a couple of years, I went to four different high schools, whatever, whatever. So when, but when I went to college, it was really funny, because when you would go out on Friday nights, I didn't always serve Jesus, I'm just, that's a, it, I'm announcing that, so when I went to college and you go out on Friday nights, <laughs> You could always tell the people from South Florida because they had their silk button-down shirts and they were all showy and they put on all, and I, it was almost comical to me <laughs> because they put so much effort into their appearance. When I got down here, I was like, what? <laughs> what? 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 The, what? It, it's work on Monday. Come on now. <laughs> it, and I, I now am, I don't want to say that I am a product of it, but like when you live around people that put effort when they go to Walmart, I mean, then you got to start putting your eyebrows on every time you leave the house. So now that's what I do. <laughs> but when I got down here, I re I'm like, man, everybody has a nice car. Everybody does. <laughs> Pretty much everybody has a nice car down here. The, the values that I saw when I moved here were a little bit surprising to me. People really value. Now you guys got to hear my heart. Please, please promise. Everybody say, I promise to hear your heart. Thank you. People really care what other people think down here. Yeah, <laughs> amen. <laughs> amen, that's a thing. Listen, people down here, almost, it's almost like a thing where you sow to please man. And hey, I'm guilty of it. Let me tell you about a really stupid thing that Sean and I did when, um, 
It was the two of us together. We both did it together. <laughs> I said Sean and I. I'm just saying I'm taking part of the responsibility, even though, you know, whatever. Even though, in spite. I'm a good wife. Um, so when Sean and I got married, Bishop and Pastor Kathy purchased us a vehicle because I had, I was, I was not, I didn't want a new car. I didn't want a car payment. I didn't, I came from like, I'm going to ride this thing till it dies. And it almost did. And then I gave it away. Um, <laughs> uh, that's how I, that's how I was raised. Like I, if it's good, why do I need a new one? <laughs> I know I'm speaking a foreign language to many of you. Please, please bear with me. <laughs> So I, so we, we had the vehicle, we had it for like five years, it was a great car, it was awesome, I loved it, and one year, Sean just really wanted a new car, and it, because of what it was, like, we got a decent amount of money for it, I mean, it was like almost 30K to, for the car, so we're like, so Sean had a car that he wanted, though. And I didn't like it, but I was just like, okay. So we took the tiniest little portion of that money that we made uh, from the sale of the vehicle, and Sean got a new car, but he leased it. And now we, now we welcome car payments into our life that were like stupid, not like a thousand bucks a month, but like almost half that. I mean, it was ridiculous. Now, I want to also remind you, I worked for a nonprofit. I still work for that nonprofit, but that was my, my full-time job. Sean works for the church. It, we, we, we have to be mindful of our money. We have to be careful about how we spend it, right? We have to be good stewards of our money. But I walk in there and I'm like, well, my husband's not driving a base model. <laughs> Like I'm some prideful person who's so concerned about what my husband is driving. Like how ridiculous was that? And we're giving this car back in a couple of years? What? What? We had enough money to buy a car that maybe wasn't the car that he wanted. Oh, I look back. I, that would never, never happen today. And he, would, he says the same thing. He would never do it again. But that's the influence that I began to be under a little bit because I realized, like, there is a standard that I feel like maybe I got to live up to, even though that's not what God says. It was a culture shock. And now, as a result, I'm feeling like, oh, it's a little tight every month. Like, it wasn't, we couldn't, we could pay it, but it was a little uncomfortable. We didn't have extra money to go do extra things. That was a short season of our lives, but it was a seed that we sowed and we reaped from it. And I want to read to you Galatians 6, 7 and 8. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the, the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature and their, will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. We sow into our flesh. We sowed into a fun car instead of being smart with our money. And we reaped the harvest of it was tight. It wasn't good. 
every month I would look at that car payment and I'm like, ah, oh, it's uncomfortable. But I reaped what I sowed. That's what happens. See, we, we sow into our sinful natures. Now, what is the sinful nature? The sinful nature is just the flesh. The sinful nature is the flesh that is that we're, that we're sowing into at the detriment of the rest of our bodies. Now, this is, not like, this is not like good food or whatever, but it is something that we sow into to the detriment of the rest of our lives. So that was a detriment to the rest of our lives. Now, we didn't have kids back then and whatever, but we did have a car payment when we knew, moved into our new house, and that was hard. I didn't set myself up for success, and I didn't pray about what we were doing in advance before we made that decision to get to lease that really expensive car. We, our spending, y'all, like it reflects our values. It reflects our values, but also if it's not in order, then we miss out on things that we could get from the Lord. I want to go back to this verse, verse 11 in Haggai. It says, and I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain and the new wine, the oil, and what the ground brings forth on man and beast and all their labors. Now, I want to point this out because this is significant. If your finances are in disorder, you are missing out on fresh revelation from the Lord. I'm serious about that. It says it right there in that Bible. New wine represents fresh revelation. It represents word from God. But if you're spending your representation of your life, your, your life at home is in disorder, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. Oil, hmm. You know what oil is? Oil represents anointing, but it also represents intimacy and closeness with the Lord. Because now that car has become my idol, and that's more important because I'm not worried about what God said about the idol. I'm worried about what I've got. I'm worried about what people think. My life is out of order. God doesn't bless disorder. We can get by for a time, right? That's why you hear it like, I'm going to say this, whatever. Um, <laughs> not whatever, I take this very seriously. You know how sometimes like you see like people that are really, really rich and prosperous and they do all this stuff, but then they have like, then they go through something terrible and then their whole life falls apart. Well, you can only go so long on your talent and your anointing right? That'll only take you so far. At some point, you're going to get to your, in your life, you are going to need the hand of God. You are going to need his blessing. You are going to need his hand on you to further you, to help keep you together. And I know this might be hard to hear, but it's the truth. We cannot continue to waste seed. How many of us have done this? You get a hundred bucks out of the ATM or I don't know, have it delivered. I don't know, whatever we do these days. And all of a sudden, in two and a half days, you got five bucks in your pocket and you don't remember what you spent that sucker on. Where did it go? I think I have dinner, definitely coffee, um, 
Makeup, I, makeup, no, no, I don't know. Where did it go? We are not being intentional with our money and money slips away. Now I, I want you guys to hear with your whole heart. I'm not gonna ask everybody at the end to be like, if you need to be better with your money, stand up. Like, I'm not gonna ask you to do that. I'm not gonna put that out there. I'm not gonna make you guys, I'm, so I'm telling you. Take as much as you can out of this message because I ain't calling anybody out, okay? But this is an area, it's like, this is an area, it's almost like sexual sin, that there's shame. We don't want anybody to know that we struggle with money. We don't want anybody to know that our income is not meeting, is not lasting long enough through our month, that we're struggling. And, and if, if, that's, if that's what you're dealing with, that's okay. But we have to apply good rules and get God in the place where he needs to be in our lives in order to get a handle on this stuff. We can't keep going paycheck to paycheck. And let me ask you, here's a, a good test to ask yourself if you're good and disciplined with your money. Everybody look straight ahead. Don't look at your friends. <laughs> Do you spend more on kind of frivolous things on paydays than any other time during the week? Or are you intentional? You get Starbucks for sure on payday because you got the money in the bank. Right? We used to get, you guys are going to laugh. <laughs> Me, okay, I got my first job it, when I was... 14 years old, I washed dishes, I scrubbed pans, okay? Um, and I made $3.25, and that was not because I got tips, y'all. That was what I got, was my hourly wage. I scrubbed pans, right? $6, so, so $6 when I was in college and I was making phone calls, I was working at like a kind of kind of call center or whatever when I was in college is my first job because I was super afraid to do other things. And um, on Friday nights, my sister lived with me for a short time. Friday nights, man, we would hit Taco Bell because we could afford it. And that was back, yo, that was back when they had the 59, 69, 79s. That's how bad it was. The menus were like less than, a, everything's less than a dollar. We would get nachos on the weeks that we got paid because we could afford it. But let me ask you, when you get paid, is it party time? I hope not. I hope not. Demonstration of lack of self-control. Nobody likes to hear that terminology. Lack of self-control. I do have control, I do have control, I do have control, but I really want Starbucks, so I'm gonna go there, because I want it, not because I don't have self-control. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. I wanna give you a modern day example of this because this is significant when we don't exercise self-control and the impact that it has on the rest of our lives. I heard this recently and I was, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Let me use it. And they don't go to this church, so. <laughs> I don't have, anyway, do you guys remember Hurricane Katrina in 2005? Many of you do. Well, the levees broke, right? Law enforcement couldn't get in or out. Everybody's just out there for themselves. There was looting. There was murders. 
There were rapes. Anything could get in. Anything could happen and nothing could be done about it. Like a city with broken down walls. There's a man without self-control, a woman person without self-control. Anything can get in and take your money, influence you. And not just money, not just money. You know who your wall is? Your wall is Jesus. Your wall is our provider. Your wall is the one who determines your character when you put them first. But you've got gaps in those holes. Maybe you're not morally strong and determined to stay, stay committed to make it to your wedding night. Maybe a gap in the wall, maybe not. One thing can get in, something else can get in. Maybe you watch that show that shows all the skin way longer than you should, and you know you shouldn't. It's a gap in the wall. It's a gap. See, anything can get in. We have to have standards across the board, all the places in our lives, all the places. We have to have a level of character. We have to have a level of how we are going to conduct our business, how we're going to treat others. This is the standard of my life because God says I'm going to love my neighbor. So no matter what you say to me, I'm going to show you Jesus' love. No matter what happens, character. Oh, it's the third quarter, you guys. There's six weeks left. How's your character doing? I want nothing more than to stand the tests that the Lord gives me, but I have not stood every single test since this quarter started. I'll just be honest. I need the Lord to do more in me. I need the Lord to teach me more. I need to surrender more to the Lord. I was walking this morning and I'm praying, God, God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. So not just the things that I can control as they're coming out of my mouth, right? Not just what I'm putting out there, but the things that are in my heart. God, I don't want anything in there that's not pleasing to you. Nothing in my heart, the things that no one can see, but God knows. I don't want those things in my heart. I want to be an open book to the Lord. <sighs> Lord. We sow to our flesh all the time. It's just a thing that happens. It's just a thing that happens. I, I was, I, um, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just going to make a blanket apology about everybody that loves Starbucks right now. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. I get Starbucks too sometimes when people give me gift cards because it's too expensive. And I just had a birthday. <laughs> so I got some Starbucks gift cards. <laughs> so I had Starbucks yesterday and I had Starbucks the day before. That's twice. But again, thank you to everyone that gave me a Starbucks gift card. I loved it. But you know what it says on the cup? I know, besides your name and your order, <laughs> seven pumps of vanilla. No, I'm kidding. It doesn't, it doesn't say that on my cup. That first sip feeling. 
How dare they manipulate me and my flesh into purchasing their coffee? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, my friend over here works at Starbucks. <laughs> Sorry, I love you. <laughs> How dare they? But think about it. It makes perfect sense. They want you to think about how much, you're, how great you're going to feel after you have a $7 coffee. That one moment. I, I could not, I cannot afford to, to drink Starbucks. I make coffee at home. And one of the things that we did here is like, you know, uh, you know is that is we started getting coffee and making sure that we had decent coffee for our staff because it's expensive. <laughs> coffee is expensive. We can't live our lives that way. I cannot be, I cannot wake up in the morning and figure out how I am going to, how I am going to get my cup of coffee. 50 bucks a week? If you get food, forget it. <laughs> forget it. I work with disadvantaged and at-risk youth, and I was driving one of them to the, um, to the coffee shop, and obviously he doesn't know that I know whatever, but he goes... Yeah, last time I went to Starbucks, I spent $300. And I was like, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> you know, he didn't really spend 300 bucks. He was just a teenager trying to show off. It's fine. But I believe it. Okay. But the Holy Spirit, this is Galatians 5.22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithful, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and desires to their hearts, sinful nature, to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not be conceited let us not provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Finances represent our lives. We have a couple of things that we can give, right? We have time, super expensive part of our lives, right? Time is something that we give and we can never get back. And finances is the other thing. We give and we don't get it back necessarily, right? We think about it. Talent and energy. These are the things that we can sow. How do we become good stewards of our money? Listen, I don't want to miss out on the things that God has for me because my life is in disorder, because I have my priorities out of whack. So I want to talk to you guys a little bit about how to manage your money a little bit better, okay? I want you to take notes if, it, if you want. You can, but the notes would be good because when you get out of here, you're going to be like, I'm going to do better, okay? I believe it. I hope you guys do. Know what's coming in. This is rules for life. Number one, know what's coming in. If you don't know how much money you are bringing home week to week, and I know this might be elementary to some of you, and I apologize for that, but some of us need to hear it, and even those of us that are grown need to hear it. You see, I had a time in my life where I would wake up in the middle of the night wondering how I was going to pay my bills because I had a $6,000 debt to Shell station because that's the only credit card I could get. And then I had $60,000 in student loan debt. 
And my mandatory payment was over $600 a month. I had to pay it. Now I got a loophole. Here's a funny story. <laughs> I got a loophole because I worked for a nonprofit organization, and obviously my um, income, <laughs> when you start working for nonprofit organizations, it's like, here, here's your. Here's your paycheck. <laughs> it ain't nothing. So I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. So I, the loophole was I got deferment because I work for a nonprofit organization. And I paid like the minimum amount that I could possibly pay. And as a result, I carried those student loans for much, much, much longer than I needed to. Okay, be clear on your income. Your income, if it varies, you got to know that too, and you got to pick the lowest number that you could possibly make in a month, and you got to plan your budget based on that, okay? Know what is going out. Number one, the first thing that you need to, or the second thing that you need to know besides what's coming in is what's going out. If you don't know what your monthly rent, your housing, your transportation, how much you spend on gas, what your car payment is with your insurance plus your phone bill, all that stuff together, you're in big trouble. Forget about the Starbucks and the eating out and the, friend, the things that you do with your friends or the clothing or the makeup or the shoes. Forget about all that. You, you, you got to know what your basics are first so that you can know if you can afford those other things. I say this as gently as possible. We have to know. And part of our problem, folks, is that we do not know what we spend our money on and we don't know what we spend our money on at the end of the month and why we don't have any money left. Because we treat money with disdain. It's come, I'm going to get paid again. Well, what if you get sick? What if you, how, how many of you would be in trouble if you missed a week of work because you got sick? Don't raise your hands. How many of you would be in trouble if something came up and your friend had to, you needed to help your friend with a payment or your mom? And it happened to us a couple of years ago. I, my father-in-law, or my stepfather, he called me and said their house was about to be taken away because they hadn't paid their taxes. My mother was about to be homeless. Now, what would have happened if I didn't have a handle on my finances then? I wouldn't have been able to help her. You got to have... You got to have a plan for your money, y'all. You have to budget everything. You have to know. You have to know where your money is going to go. And that's not to say that you shouldn't plan to go out to eat and you shouldn't plan to have coffee, but you have to be intentional about it because if you're not, it's going to go away. You have to have an emergency fund for when your tire pops or your, your transmission goes down or something like that. You have to be ready for those things. You don't have to live your life on the edge not knowing if your car is going to break down and hoping that it doesn't because you've got to get paid again, but then you've got to pay rent. You shouldn't live your life like that. But if you just manage your money, if you just look clearly, you allow yourself to do the scary thing and get a clear picture of your finances then you get power to take control of your situation. If you don't know you are powerless, the Bible says my people perish for a lack of knowledge, but it's hard, man. Then you're going to know. You're going to know how much you actually can spend, and it's going to be less than what you hope for sometimes. Sometimes it's better. I hope that's you. You got to get out of debt. 
If you are putting money on a credit card, I'm just going to say it. If you are putting money on a credit card, that is money that you don't have for the most part. Now, Sean and I, I use a credit card because they give me money to use it, right? I get the pay, I get the payments. Sorry. Sorry, guys. I get the payments. <laughs> they give me a reward and I pay it off at the end of every month. But if you can't have a credit card in your wallet and not use it, like if you don't have the cash to cover your purchase and you don't go cover that right away, then you shouldn't have a credit card. Credit cards should not be used to float you from month to month. This is true, guys, this is true. They're not an option. We need cash. Do you guys remember when if you didn't have the money, you couldn't get the thing? <laughs> that was a thing. That was a thing, guys, not long ago. <laughs> we treat credit cards like they're like, oh, this is, oh, use the good credit card. That's got space on it. Like, don't live your life like that. You've got to get out of debt. The borrower is a slave to the lender. Amen? Amen. You are a slave. So you know what? If you get sick, he's still coming to knock on your door and ask you about money, the money you owe him. Hey, and can I just say this? You've got to be careful about your outside asks. I am, like, amazed. And it's great and everything. But I'm, like, amazed. Like, people go on these, like, destination bachelorette parties, and I'm, like, they're poor friends who have to come up with all this money to go on the trip or else they don't love them. <laughs> let's, let's be kind to each other. Let's give it, let's make it optional and not like we're not friends anymore if you don't go on my party trip. I see that a lot and, I, and then we feel pressure. But, and then that fear of man comes in and says, everybody's gonna know that I can't afford to go if I don't go or if I'm honest. God forbid you make up some drama with the friend until after the trip is over. It, I mean, whatever it takes to save face. I just want you guys to think about those things that are outside that are not absolutely necessary. This is not God saying your life is going to be boring. This is God saying I'm going to bless you and you're going to be able to do all the things that you want to do if you put me first. Let me tell you, I talked about debt, blah, whatever. You've got to get out of debt. But l listen, you got to... I got other things to talk about. There's so much, but I, I want to move on because this is the number one thing that we have to learn. If we don't, if we walk out of this room today, and I don't say this, I'm a, I'm a, it, it would be all a mess. God is your source. He is going to give you whatever it is that you need if you put him first and you trust him. Now, with your finances, what does that look like? With your time, it looks like waking up early to pray and spend time with him. So I'm sowing my time into the Lord. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to set my life that, this, that he's the one that I serve and he's the one that I give my time to first. What does it look like with your finances? It means the tithe. You cannot expect any blessing in your life if you do not tithe. Hear what I said. Hear what I said. If you do not trust God with your tithe, that is 10% of your income, 10% of the increase, if you're confused about what to give, 10% of the increase. If you do not trust God with your 10%, he will not bless 
any of what you got. He will not. Because you are saying, when you hold on to that tithe, you are saying, God, I don't trust you. You are saying, God, I don't trust you. I, and, I'm not, and I'm not sorry for saying that. I want you guys to be blessed. I want you guys to enjoy your lives. But if you do not give God 10%, you will not be blessed. You are telling God that he is not trustworthy, that he is not your number one priority. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. That's what God says if you give him the 10% that he asked for. It is not 90. You cannot afford to wait until you've paid your bills to tithe. You cannot afford to do that. Where does the tithe go? The tithe goes to your home church. If this is not your home church, please do not give us the tithe. Listen, when I first started coming to this church, I'm like, y'all have seen Bishop's Rings. <laughs> he don't need my money. <laughs> I don't need to tithe. <laughs> and one day he's talking. And he says, so he does that all the time. He, don't, he doesn't need our money. He doesn't. His income is from all his books and his traveling and all that stuff. But listen to this. We have to pay for the lights to be on in this building. Oh my gosh, the church has bills? The church, this isn't all free. These seats, they're nice and comfy. Y'all that have been with us for a long time, you remember the uh, activity center seats? <laughs> The blue folding seats, we have moved up in Jesus' name because God is good. And you know what? We do the same thing. We tithe. This house tithes. This house supports missions. And this house provides a place for you to come worship. This house provides a place for you to come and get to know the Lord. And maybe this is new or maybe it's not easy for you to hear, but Jesus almost only talks about money in the Bible. You show what you value by what you do with your money. Now, if you look at your bank statement, does your money, does your bank statement reflect what you think it does? Or are you down, for, down with Starbucks? Does your bank statement reflect that you're a giver? God made us to be generous. Yes, he made us to be generous. So I want to just clarify something. The tithe is different than an offering. And an offering is something that you give that's over and above. Now, I one time was talking to somebody, and she's like, yeah, I felt like the Lord was telling me, 12, give 12% for the tithe. And I'm like, no, 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 that 2% is an offering. That's over and above. That's a covenant with the Lord. We sow our seed based on who God is. Sean and I 
Sean and I, in 2018, we had a miscarriage. And it was so hard. And it was easy to think back about what God could have done. But it didn't happen that way. It didn't happen the way I hoped. And I was not going to let the enemy take away any of God's promises from me. So we got together some money, and we sewed it, and it was a representation of two. And it was a lot of money. And it was a representation of two because we were sewing. Because we knew the promises of God. We know who God is, and we know who he says that he is. And we know that he is faithful, and that his word will not return void. So we sowed that seed so that we would have two beautiful children, and we have Saya James, and we have Oakley, Sean Oakley, and they are the greatest blessing to our lives. But in a moment of darkness, in a moment of darkness, I was not gonna give the enemy. I was taking back my sorrow from the enemy, and I was establishing that God is still my source. No matter what the enemy takes away, God is still my source. He is your source. In him lies everything that you possibly need. Listen. There is a way that God has called us to live. When we hold on, have, you guys have heard like the term, like if you, you know, when, when somebody, one of the person, people in a relationship is like super, super clingy, like, you're like, it only, that's only going to last for a little bit because that person that is holding on so tight to that relationship, they, the other person's going to go, right? Anything that you hold on to too tightly is going to exit your life, right? Anything that you try to control, anything that you try to hold on to. And for the longest time when I was young, we lived broke. We lived broke from the time I was like eight years old. Like, man, there would be like... Sorry, Dad, if you're watching, <laughs> there's like a can of black beans in the, the, the cabinet, and my dad's like, there's food right there. And I'm like, that's not food. Come on. <laughs> we were broke. And so for me, for a really long time, I, when I started making money, I was like, I ain't never living that way. I'm not living no paycheck to paycheck. I'm getting my money. I'm going to put it in the bank. I'm going to keep it. And so when I started coming to this church, I started tithing. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. So I started tithing. And then I had this moment, and it was so funny because it was the Holy Spirit totally, like, speaking to me beforehand. He's like, I'm, I'm going to call you to sow. Now, what I translated that to be was, I'm going to take all your money, <laughs> and I'm going to make it real uncomfortable. <laughs> so Dr. John came. Dr. John, who you haven't, if you haven't seen him, make sure you're here on September the 10th. He is an amazing teacher of biblical economics. He's, he's a bishop's mentor, and he's an amazing guy. He's going to be here in a couple weeks. Um, he came, and he's telling, talking about sewing. And I'm like, oh, I don't like this. I was so, I didn't want to hear the messages. I didn't want to hear whatever. And I didn't know. It was the first time I'd ever seen Dr. John. I didn't trust him because I didn't trust anybody. And, um, and I just felt like God told me to sow. And it was like, to me back then, it was like a lot of money. A lot. And I was talking to somebody on the phone and I'm like, well, and I'm telling them about what I'm, how I'm saving my money and whatever. And she's like, well, well, how much are you trying to save? And I'm like, as much as I can. 
as much as I possibly can. And that moment was a realization that I was afraid to trust God with this. It doesn't matter who the man was, and Dr. John is good ground, but it doesn't matter who the man was. I didn't trust God. So I sowed. And the raise that I had asked for three months before I got it the next week. Hey, how about it? That's what God can do with your seed. He can multiply it, right? He multiplies it. When you put your money into God's hand, it now has to work on kingdom principles, not human principles, which is addition and subtraction. Now he can take a little seed and he can multiply it. But we have to get ourselves in line and we have to get ourselves disciplined with our money. I got one more story I got to tell you, okay? I told you about how I had $60,000 in student loans when I got out and I was paying $250 a month because that's what I felt like I could afford. But as I got later into my life, there was a point where I could afford more. But I chose to leave that $250 payment where it was. I could have afforded more, but I was willing to let that debt sit and stay. I didn't want to make myself more disciplined. I didn't want to make my, my, my behavior come into alignment with what the Word of God said. I didn't want to be disciplined with that. Fast forward, in 2008, maybe it was eight, um, Obama came out with a, uh, um, oh gosh, now it's escaping me. The, basically, if you're a public servant, you can get loan forgiveness if you serve in a capacity of a, uh, in, at a nonprofit organization for 10 years. It's different than what, it's still available for public servants, but it's different than what this, whatever just happened. Um, and I had worked for that organization for 10 years. And this is right before we were going to have a baby. And um, I hadn't made enough of the right amount of payments. And I'm thinking, I'm about to get student loan forgiveness. But I wasn't, because I had not made that loan a priority. Meanwhile, the balance hadn't hardly moved. Over 12 years, or maybe 10 years, hadn't moved. I was just making these tiny little baby payments. So I called him like, what do I got to do? Well, you got to increase your payments. You're barely covering the interest on these things. Oh, so I had to go to my husband and I said, babe, we're going to have to increase our payments. And it's going to be like almost three times as much every month. And I felt bad. But I knew that it was time to start taking responsibility for this thing. They had told me multiple times that I wasn't going to be able to get my student loans forgiven because I was just not on the right plan. I had to be registered for a plan. I had this. I had that. So for three years, we made these crazy payments. <laughs> and it was a strain. But I decided that we decided that we were not going to let this debt just sit there anymore. In March of 2020, I am not kidding you, Thursday morning, we're sitting on the living room floor with our four-month-old daughter, and I got an email. Congratulations. Your loans have been forgiven. But there's more. For the next two months, 
I got weekly payments from the student loan provider because I had overpaid. Not only do I not have to pay anymore, they are paying me. And here's why. Because I decided to take control of my money. I made a choice in that moment that I was not gonna be subject to someone else's rules for my money, that I was going to take control and I was gonna get what I needed to get done, done. Come hell or high water, I was going to do it. That is what God called me to do, and God enabled me to do it. And as a result, I got blessed. $27,000 forgiven. Now remember, there was $60,000 at the beginning, right? I still had to get it paid because I had responsibility there. And I know for y'all that have student loans, that you, like, I'm sorry for what's happening it stinks for y'all's chain to be jerked around like, oh, you're getting it. Now you're not. Now you're not. And they're, now they're trying to do some new thing, and I'm sorry. But here's what you do in an effort to not have your chain yanked. Choose to take control of it. Don't put it to the side anymore. Take control of it. Make your payments. Take ownership of the loan. It, it did happen, right? You did choose to take the loan. You, I'm sorry, this is unpopular. You did choose to take it, and you made a promise to pay it back. So the government is not required, sorry, the government is not required to pay it. Now, if you need help, you got to look at your finances. you got to determine whether or not you can live the way that you're living. But don't think that those student loans have to be there for the rest of your life. Don't think that any debt that you have has to be there for the rest of your life. If you are, if you are in debt, God's got an answer. I just told you about my testimony. And yeah, you can say it was whatever. You, you, can, say, uh, you can say it was human or whatever, but I was told by multiple people that I wasn't going to get my loans forgiven. We have to take responsibility for our finances. We cannot be buying things that are not benefiting us, or we cannot be spending money to our own detriment. Y'all, I know this is not an easy message to hear. I'm sorry, I'm not sorry, because you need to hear it if you need this. If you are struggling with debt, if you don't know how you're gonna pay your bills, you need to get it together. There are people available to help you. I will help you. There are many folks in this church that have come from debt into prosperity because they have made that transition and made those choices. We can help you, we are available. Do not be too proud to ask for help. We can help you, but you've gotta make the decision to make your money obey you. I'm going to close with this. On a on side note, on Monday nights, um, we're offering Financial Peace University. Um, if you're, don't let that, don't let that opportunity go by. If you need help with your finances, Maybe you don't, maybe you just need help. Maybe you just need to learn how to do it. I mean, I was never taught how to deal with finances, how to do, what to deal with money, how to invest, how to prepare for my future, what percentages, what this, what that, get rid of debt, don't buy cars on a lease, whatever. 
there is a source here that you can tap into and you can help get this thing under control. There is no shame in asking for help. There's no shame in making a mistake. Let's just stop making the mistakes. Here's the great thing that we have at the end of this message. God's a good God. He loves you. And he wants to bless you. But we tie his hands when we choose to live our lives outside of the way he's ordained us to live. But I want to challenge you. It says in Luke... 6.38, this, I remember my mom saying this scripture when I was little, and she would do like a hand motion with it. It was so much fun. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you get back. My prayer today is that every person in here will take a moment and be really brutally honest with yourself about where you are with your finances. It's never easy to get things back on track. But there is blessing, there is assurance, there is fresh revelation. There is intimacy. Sean and I just sowed the biggest, I mean by far, like the biggest seed that we've ever sown by multiples. And it's a little uncomfortable right now because I'm looking at my savings account. I'm like, oh. <laughs> it was where it was and now it's not. <laughs> but I have full assurance God is going to bless that seed and I'm going to have it back pressed down, shaken together and running over because that is what God's word says. Do you believe he is who he says he is? Do you believe the Bible? The Bible is the word of God and the word of God is Jesus, is Jesus. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.